Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hey, everyone. This is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of Women in Manufacturing, and I am the executive director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back manufacturing to the U.S. I also run a global supply chain consulting firm called Blue Silk Consulting, where we help clients with global supply chain projects and where I also do expert witness work. On these podcasts, we interview accomplished women in business and ask them to share their experiences with us. Today, we are welcoming my special guest, Annika Holtquist, the Vice President of Information Technology at Sandvik. We are going to be talking about how IT functions and systems support manufacturing. So really important topic today. And so welcome, Annika. Thank you. Can you tell us about your education, experience, and background? And of course, Sandvik is headquartered in Sweden, correct? Yes, that's correct. I'm actually the vice president of IT in Sandvik Coromant, one of the divisions. Yeah, my background is I'm a computer engineer been working as an IT consultant for many years, over 10-15 years. Started in a small IT consultancy company and then we got bought by a bigger firm and then providing services to many of the large companies around in, in Sweden. But then started with Sunvik Corman, the world leading metal cutting tool supplier with the headquarters in my hometown in Sweden. And now I've been there for 18 years in different positions and different locations. Started up more like a project manager, process CIO, product information manager. I've been working in US three and a half years in, in sales and engineering with customer experience, but also in engineering with the business development and strategy. And then I came back to the headquarters in Sweden as a program manager and implemented globally the ERP solution. And now in this role as vice president and head of IT since one year. Okay. So with a company based in Sweden, I understand you supply cutting tools and services for the metal industry. Is that correct? Yes, we are based in Sweden and providing products like inserts, tools and tool holders that are used in turning, milling, drilling applications to cut the different metals. Okay, so typically your customers would be machine shops, is that correct? Or machine developers, that sort of thing? Yeah, we are selling our products worldwide, but mainly customers are producers of uh, components that are used in automotive, aerospace, oil and gas industries. Okay, so these are tools that go are associated with the machine tools that are used for cutting metal or bending metal or that sort of thing. Okay. Yes, exactly. We've, I've interviewed a couple of machine shop people before in the podcast, so people will recognize how important it is to have tools that are appropriate for industry. Have they changed over time? Are the tools being uh, developing or are they getting more sophisticated now? Yes, the improvements are really big because the productivity and the lifetime is increasing all the time. So of course, it takes longer to wear out the tools. So the volumes are not the same, but the productivity for the customers are improving all the time. Okay. And then you also service those tools after they're in place. Okay. All right. Very good. Very interesting. Um, In your position as VP of IT, how do systems that you've deployed, how do they support manufacturing? 
We are currently implementing a new ERP, including the product lifecycle management solution. And this we're implementing in also our manufacturing part of the company, as we have already implemented it for sales and finance. But I can also mention that we have also a fully automated uh, solution that we can provide customized solutions that are supported by a fully seamless flow from the sales order all the way through production order, work order, process planning, with automated both design drawings and CAM programs. And this is also connected to the PLM system. So this is a really good solution to... Which ERP system did you choose? Yeah, we're using SAP. Okay. I worked for SAP for five years, so Mm -hmm. I'm very familiar. Yeah. And are you using the PLM module as part of SAP also? Yes. So we now, we have our own solution, also based on SAP, but now we're also migrating into the SAP PLM. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So a lot of the people in the audience will recognize their own ERP system, whether it's SAP or Oracle or Great Plains or something else, and how that integrates with their company and helps them operate their company. But SAP in particular has a lot of functionality around manufacturing. So that should be rather interesting and good to hear that you have a PLM. Do you also use an MES system or some system for controlling manufacturing on the shop floor? Yes, we're also using the manufacturing execution systems and really to support decision makers with the data they need to make the plant floor more efficient and optimize the production. So the architecture is, does that integrate MES with the other systems? Is it integrated to SAP or is it standalone? It's a standalone for now. Okay. Yeah, really yeah, interesting. You know, so many manufacturing companies have that kind of architecture where they have multiple systems and different ways of approaching their manufacturing. So with some point solutions as well as a full integration with their ERP system. So for anybody in the audience who is unfamiliar, can you tell us a little bit more about ERPs and how they work in a business? Yeah, so it's more or less the full enterprise resource platform, so to say, where you actually manage all the business transactions, all the way from uh, inquiry to quotation, the order to invoicing, but also in between sales and production. So including financial transactions. So all the parts of a company that you need. Okay. So the ERP system is sort of the backbone uh, business system. Right, collecting data and information about your manufacturing site. These days, it's essential. There's just, I can't imagine trying to operate a business without some kind of ERP backbone, some kind or another that's integrated with manufacturing and capable of collecting data for sure. So, when your company is trying to decide what function they need, whether it's a PLM or a MEP or, you know, some other kind of system. MES or some kind of other system, how do you go about choosing what you want? What's the process? Yeah, we most of the time it's, of course, we work very closely between the IT team and the the ones with the technology and information competence really tied together with the business functions and also in the manufacturing area or supply functions. But as we are also working with, you know, expanding on our own offer by providing services, but also software services 
we also call it a digital offer. Here, we are really working closely with our own manufacturing units to really develop these also software solutions and evaluating them together with our own manufacturing before we continue to develop them with, with customers, as they, of course, have very similar needs. So you would start out understanding what the manufacturing needs are or what they're looking for, uh, yes. and then recording that those requirements and then matching them against what's being offered by either the ERP system in terms of a module or some outside system. Okay. Yes, exactly. And trying to use as much standard as possible as well to avoid a lot of testing and maintenance along the way. So that's the way we were successful to get the the first part of of the ERP implemented in time. Yeah, you know, a lot of people may not know, but when you're dealing with IT architecture, if you have lots of separate systems, you have to coordinate all of those and make sure they work together. And then the other thing that is can be just a nightmare is if you have to upgrade one system, you have to essentially make sure it works with the whole system. And yep. it's complicated and difficult in so many cases, for sure. So are these systems, do you manufacture only in Sweden or do you manufacture worldwide? No, we manufacture worldwide and we have many places with the manufacturing operations around the world. So in US, North and South Carolina, but also in other countries in both Europe, like Germany, but also in Asia, India, China, Japan. So So is the architecture integrated worldwide or are these separate deployments in each manufacturing area? Yeah, but all these more the, the backbone systems are the same and are integrated globally. Okay. So if you were looking at, for example, manufacturing one product in Sweden and one in South Carolina, would the systems be the same? Can you collect data on productivity and you know how it's operating in a manufacturing environment or are they completely separate? Yeah, we have built the possibilities to, to really create the dashboards that collect the, the same data because the platform is the same. So Because of that, we can actually see and compare the different units. Yeah, that's an issue for a lot of companies worldwide. They may have SAP, but they have different deployments in in each area. And then the data isn't going to match. It's not going to be parallel data. And that's a problem with the overall system architecture. So it's really good to know that you have a standardized approach worldwide. That's wonderful. And so, and I know you're using agile techniques too. So agile, of course, for anyone who doesn't know, is a way of deploying software normally. It's used in other areas as well, but it's a little bit different than the approach that we used to to make 20 years ago or so. So can you describe for us a little bit about agile and how you're using it? Yes, I would love to, because we are just about, we are using the agile techniques already, but we're also implementing the methodology more and more for our teams. And it is a methodology, but I also consider it more as a mindset because where you're really focusing on developing functionality for your product, service, or software, where you see the biggest customer value. And I think this is the key and that you really have a certain capacity in the team with different competencies, but there is always a lot of good ideas and technology that you can use to get cool and nice to have features and functionalities. But an agile team, they should always prioritize the capacity based on 
end user value. And really, this is what we see that the teams that are working with this setup, they get more self-empowered and which we see lead to more own initiatives to learn and share to secure the most value out of the full team. And so I would say that's the biggest benefits that people that are feeling good. I think that's the key. And the why comes from the strategy, what and why to focus on. But then these teams can actually focus on how to do it and also be clear on when it can be done based on their priority or value. Okay. So Agile at its core is focused on the customer need, the highest need, right? And prioritizing it that way. But tell us a little bit about the process too, which is also different. Are you doing using sprints and techniques to implement from the overall approach in Agile? Yes. So we actually, you know, the the biggest challenge that both us and I guess most companies, big global companies has today is, is really that, you know, we have a lot of projects, a lot of initiatives. And here we are, we're not stopping all of that, but we take parts of that and really say, okay, these teams that have the competence in this area, all the different things that the company need, let's put that on what we call a backlog. So it's more like a task list. And then, you know, these teams have sprints that are normally like four weeks, three to five weeks maybe. And then you decide, okay, from this list of all the things that we want to do in the company, which are the ones that will give the biggest value for the end user or customer or whoever is your, the one you deliver the functionality for? And in that way, you focus on those things that you can do during that shorter period of time. And you can, you know, retrospectively go back and see what did we do that went well. And we also learn about how to estimate to get the most value out of the team. So that's a short summary on how it's done. It's a complicated topic for sure. So in in the old days, we used to just configure the systems and then everything went live at once. So if there was some problem with the configuration or you know some priority that was missed, the system wouldn't go live or you had to redo it, go back and restart that. These days, Agile gives you that, that advantage of doing this sort of in pieces. Mm-hmm. So you look at the top priorities and then do a sprint, as we were talking about, which is a, a small what, four to five weeks, you said, of working, configuring and implementing and testing. So you're doing it sort of bit by bit. And then once you get to the end and go live, everything should work. Yeah. Because then you've taken little pieces, right? Yeah. We normally have a joke where we said the end user or the customer wanted a Ferrari, but out came like a small bike. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you so go. to avoid that situation, that's why you need to do it iterative and, and really show the customer what we really sure. believe they need. So, When you talk about customers, are you talking about your internal customers or external customers? Yeah, I would say both. It depends on uh, some, of course, we have our ERP and then our customers are mainly internally. But if we're talking about our digital softwares that we are also offering, then we're talking about our end customers. Oh, okay. So, you know, one of the issues I think in not only IT, but in general doing projects within manufacturing is project management. And the project management talent that's out there is so important to the success overall. Do you have a project management team or do people get assigned just based on 
their abilities for configuring or, you know, how are you doing project management? We have both <laughs> what you described because, of course, we have a project management office with uh, several project okay. managers and also program managers and different, you know, all the way from seniors to juniors. But we also, you know, from time to time really select someone that is a talent in an area and that has some of these more like the mindset strengths that we need for a certain uh, initiative because some of the programs are mostly related to changes as well and then that's a different skill and if you can get someone that can do both I think that has been a key for success in in some of our projects. Yeah, it's really interesting to me because over time, what I think we've seen, it used to be that IT people were sort of isolated and were working on, you know, more of the technical side of things. But in today's environment, systems are required in every department. And so working together, you have sort of this crossover of IT people who are now functionally literate, so they know how manufacturing operates or how purchasing operates or, you know, mm-hmm. warehousing or distribution or, you know, whatever it is that you need from a functional perspective inside a company. And mm-hmm. also the functional people who are now pretty computer savvy, right? Yeah. So we've come to this kind of hybrid environment, I think, in manufacturing that we all are more skillful on both sides, both on the IT side, understanding what the requirements are, and the functional side are the people understanding how the computers work, how they operate. So once you deploy a system like that, how do you get the people trained so that they can actually operate the system? Yeah, that's most of the time we get them involved from the beginning and being part of both putting the requirements there, what they need, but at the same time, making sure that we also have recordings. It's a lot of digital ways to manage now that someone that has learned will then train the others by recording a video or utilizing a lot of the digital tools to share. And and then, you know, you don't have to meet one time have everyone trained with a whiteboard and and send them back home and then they forget everything and then you need to redo it. So very much improvement in this area lately and and also by working closely from the beginning, they also learn on the business side, so to say, earlier. And probably less resistance also. I mean, in my experience, you know, people want a new system or they want the functionality, but boy, it's really hard to get people to change or to learn. And, you know, so many people struggle with learning a new system like that. So it's really helpful to bring them along step by step and to use tools that are now more user friendly and learning how to go forward. Do you deal with any of the industry 4.0 solutions or things like IoT that synchronizes machines across the shop floor, that sort of thing? Yes, we do. And maybe here I can mention a little bit you know, what we're doing in, in our factories. We, we have what we call the green factory and where we also, by the transformation into industry 4.0, really drive our digitalization of the manufacturing industry. And here we have developed some assessment tools for, you know, following up on health and safety, environmental impact from these sites. And and actually our site in in Gimo in Sweden 
was really nominated the lighthouse factory by World Economic Forum. And here, you know, you can go online and have a virtual tour of the factory. But here you, we definitely have put the digital thread in there and, and have a full automation with robots and shifts and also getting the materials to the machines by using electrical vehicles. And, you know, it's a lot of focus on data and automation and making sure that you have an efficient flow in the manufacturing value stream and really gather as much data as possible to be able to analyze different parts of the factory. So that's not how it looks in all of our factories, but in that particular one here in Sweden, we have used that one as a base and and implementing it in the other factories as well. So what's a lighthouse factory, just for anybody listening that might not know what that term means? Yeah, so that's more, uh, I'm not fully sure myself, but of course we have gotten the award based on some of the things that you should do to really be called a lighthouse by having some of these uh, digitalizations in place. So a lighthouse meaning it's more advanced technology and an example, right? Yeah. Are you testing? Do you use digital twins? to develop anything? No, we're looking into it uh, quite a lot. And we are also cooperating with other companies to learn more about it because definitely we see that we we will we will need it for all the things that we want to continue to develop in this digitalization journey. So yeah, I think uh, digital twins is a really interesting approach where you develop an exact replica, only it's digital. So when you're trying to implement something new, you can experiment essentially in the digital twin and determine what works and what doesn't work, how, you know, what's productive and what isn't without having to deploy that to the factory until you're sure that it's going to be beneficial. And then when you deploy it in the factory, it goes really fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. We acquired a US-based company, CGTech, and they really have a cool YouTube video out there showing how they use the digital twin. Ah, very interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's the future hold for manufacturing at Sandvik? Is Sandvik Comat, right? So that's a division? Yes, Sandvik Cormant, yes. And you know, as part of our strategy, we are dri- really driving this whole digital shift. Or I should say that's Sandvik company-wide, but also in, in, in our division. So this really includes our way to really connect products and services and also develop more digital software services that make sure you can design and plan in the best way. So, you know, you mentioned using of digital twins and also to become more the manufacturing process to become more reliable and stable for not only ourselves, but also our customers. We are currently the global market leader in machining, but our ambition is also to become the the leader in the digital machining and really gather data from the machines to be able to support in in decision-making and have more data to analyze and take decisions based upon. Of course, AI will be the next step as well for us. But think... How do you see using AI in your manufacturing environment? No, this is what we see that, you know, once we have the data, the next step is to really utilize the data and and utilize more the machine learning and AI. We have some MVPs and proof of concepts in in the area, but nothing that we are fully up and running, I should say. Okay. Yes, definitely. That's the future. It's using artificial intelligence to drive your, your next steps where you go next and how it will sort of pave the way for moving forward. Yeah. Well, 
Anika, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure talking to you. And we know that systems are the backbone to our manufacturing environment. And we appreciate all our IT people very much. You can listen to more podcasts on women in manufacturing at our website, www.womenandmfg.com. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates at reshoringinstitute.org and visit our website at www.reshoringinstitute.org, where we publish all of our research on manufacturing in America. Annika, can you give us your contact information also? Yes, annika.haltquist at sanvik.com. So that's A-N-N-I-K-A dot H-U-L-T-Q-V-I-S-T at S-A-N-D-V-I-K dot com. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.